Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case file 37, The Plano Massacre. And we're back. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm Carrie. And I'm Brittany. And we are Lone Star 187, bitches. Back so, for another week. Welcome back. We we love you guys. So let's just get right into it. This well, is first, first, if you haven't watched our live, you should watch that and then listen. There you go. Which today but is... Do not Google in between the time no. that you see the live and you hear this episode. Like, cue the episode up, then another, then on your Facebook, pull it up, watch the live, and then immediately go to the episode. Yeah. Don't, don't go, don't... don't Stay off the internet during go to that Google's. time. Yeah. Yeah, don't do the interwebs in between that. This week, we are in Plano, Texas. So in high school, there was a what? P, P, L-A, and O, O, Plano, go. Just a plain old city Just a in plain. plain old Texas. Amen. This story is pretty personal for us for several reasons. One, that it happened just, if you watch the live, you know, less than a mile from where I live with my mom. Um, and some of my really good friends knew some of the people that are involved in this story. So it's very personal. So we'll be as respectful as possible. We're still going to be ourselves, but we'll, we'll be respectful of everyone. So this happened a, a, a less than a mile from where we live. So it's September 10th of 2017. And about eight o'clock, it's a Sunday night, uh, several calls come into 911, people saying that they are hearing multiple gunshots. And what is everybody doing on a September Sunday night? What happens on Sunday night? Sunday night football. Football, people. But who was playing? Our beloved Dallas Cowboys. You love them. You hate them. Yes. But, you know, several people called in. An officer arrived around two minutes after the initial call. He approached the house from the back. He found two victims in the backyard. Wow. Once inside the house, he confronted the shooter, who was still armed, and opened fire on the officer. The officers are trained in this kind of situation, and normally you're supposed to wait for your backup, but he, when he got in, I mean, when he went into the backyard and saw the people already laying on the ground, Right. He just went into survival mode, right? Well, Protect. yeah, and if he waits for backup, who knows how many other victims he may end be. up being a victim himself, right? So he confronted. Um, so he shot the suspect immediately at the scene. Seven people were pronounced dead. Two people were rushed to the hospital. One of them passed away at the hospital. One of them was fighting for her life. So what happened is a man shot and killed eight people in a home in Plano where people were gathered to watch a Dallas Cowboys football game. It was a Cowboys watch party. Uh, neighbors told reporters that they heard laughter and they could smell the grill because um, the party kicked off in the afternoon. There were people in Cowboys jerseys coming in and out of the backyard. Um, and it's not like this was a party house. Normally this is a very quiet, these are very quiet neighbors. So, so evidently besides the cowboy game, there was something else to celebrate, right? Mm -hmm. There was cause for celebration. And this, even that, that section of Plano is predominantly quiet. You it know? is very quiet. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, we live there. We know like mm -hmm. you don't, you, you can hear, it is so quiet from their, their house. It's a little more loud because this house faces Spring Creek, which is a main street that leads straight to 75 
um, and then Preston on the other on the other all the, and all the way, way to the tollway, right? Yeah, you can. Uh, yeah, to the tollway or even one ninety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Maybe. it's a major. No, that's Custer. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. 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 Anyway, it's a major street. It's six lanes, three on one side and three on the other. Um, so there, this house that this happened at faces Spring Creek, and ours doesn't. But we can still hear the the noise from Spring Creek because we're not very far away. So it's a very busy street, but the neighborhood's very quiet. The other way that officers were alerted to this shooting, besides the 911 calls of the um, multiple gunshots that they heard, because two people that work at a nearby bar called and said, hey, look, our friend was up here at the bar. He had a loaded gun and a mm -hmm. knife. And um, we told him, hey, look, you can't have that in here. So they made him go to his car. His friends walked into his car and he opened the trunk to put in his firearm. And he was like, don't look. The shooter told the guy, don't look because I don't want you to see what's in here. So the bartender and the friend were like, you know what? We're going to follow him because this doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. So they follow him and he goes to this house and they, he parked in the back and they like go, they're like, what is he doing? And he's standing between the houses. So they, at that point when they saw him standing between the houses, they called 911 too. But obviously, by the time the cop got there, it was too late because right. two people already perished. Um, we'll go through the victim list later. So they find out that the shooter, his name is Spencer Hype, and he was married at one time to the lady that owned the house. Her name was Meredith. So they were married. So let's talk a little bit about Meredith. Okay. Um, her maiden name is Lane. So she was Meredith Lane. She was an only child. Uh, the house that they that they lived in together, they bought it. She and her husband bought it together. They got they met each other in 2011. They met at UTD, so they were both students of University of Texas at Dallas. Uh, Meredith previously attended school in Georgia before she transferred to Dallas. Uh, she was a math major, so I may have already said this, but I'm saying again. They were married in September of 2011 in Collin County. But they ex exchanged ceremonial vows during a Caribbean cruise the following year. Um, Spencer said, we just had this fire, this chemistry, um, when he was talking to his friends about his attraction to Meredith. Spencer starting at, started out as a loving husband. Meredith documented those first happy years on her Instagram. You can go look at her Instagram. It's all like about her and him and how much she loved him and everything. She talked about the concert. She was a very good cook, so she showed like all of her meals that she prepared she talked about the Game of Thrones, watching binging sessions that they had. Uh, there's one picture, a selfie of the two of them, and on the bottom of it, she wrote pretty much what I live for. Um, and that was like in 2015, and they had no, no children together. So par Meredith's parents didn't live, don't live in Dallas area. They lived out of state. So they would come and visit, and then they noticed after a couple of years of coming to visit that something was off with Spencer. Um, when they visited... He would retreat to his room and be on his computer. Um, it wasn't until much later that they discovered that he had a really bad drinking problem. A friend of Spencer's that they talked to after this whole thing happened, she and Spencer briefly dated, um, and she asked to remain anonymous because she was afraid of attacks from social media. Hmm. It's crazy. The, the timing of the story is crazy because it's during a time where Everything was on social media. So I didn't really have to go to the newspapers.com or anything like that to get the story. Everything was on the internet. You can go to her Instagram, her Facebook, and um, it's just all out there. Like mm -hmm. their whole life is out there. So she says that uh, Spencer was a free-spirited guy. He loved dogs and art and the Renaissance. Um, and he was really, really head over heels in love with Meredith. 
especially during their first years. But he was also a party animal. He drank a lot and had a really short temper. And he had guns and he loved some knives and swords. Those two things do not go very well together. We had a story in the past where the guy loved swords. Oh, yes. My sword. My sword. That was the one. That was the Casey and TJ Steele, right? Tyner. Yeah. Okay. So Spencer lost his job. He was a contractor for a TI around the time they bought the house in Plano, which they bought the house in 2015. Uh, But Meredith worked for Coca-Cola in Fort Worth. And so she took care of the mortgage and told Spencer, you know what? Find a job. I can take care of the bills until you get something. Okay, just focus on finding a job. Not too much pressure, but you know, I've got it covered until you can get something. Very supportive wife. Yes. Her mother says that she took her vows very, very seriously. Um, But Spencer also told this friend that Meredith was very understanding at first, but then hounded him for not contributing. Well, she said, I can help for now. Right. And in a marriage, you are a team, right? And Mm -hmm. you will help the other person until, well, you will help the other person indefinitely, obviously, because y'all are teammates for life. But if you feel like I'm the only one working at this, then after a while that gets exhausting. Well, and I mean, it's one thing if you're trying to find a job and you can't find one. But I don't get the impression that he was trying very hard because she sounds like a very supportive, loving wife. Mm -hmm. And if he were really trying, I don't think she would have been so quick to be like, come on. Mm -hmm. If if he wasn't trying, then she was frustrated by that. Right. Right. So in April of 2017, he posted uh, on Facebook talking about the year 2017 as a whole was the toughest year to date. Can you imagine what 2020 would have been like for him? Oh, my God. So let's talk a little. Let's go back to the night of the crime. The Plano Police Chief Greg Russian called the crime the worst mass shooting in the city's history. Cops said, we've never had a shooting of this magnitude. We've never seen these this many victims before. It's just, it's just terrible. And there's a lot of video, there's a lot of footage online, a lot of um, reporters from on the scene. So they interviewed a girl named Crystal Shug. She works at that nursing home, which the nursing home is on the corner, and I think that's... Uh, Blue Ridge. Mm -hmm. And then this house where this happened is the fourth house down. So she went outside to go smoke and she said she was outside and she could hear a man and woman arguing. Um, And it, the argument continued to escalate and it got louder and louder to where you could almost understand what they were saying. So she was like, damn. Um, She said the woman started turned around and started going back into the house And as the woman was walking back to the house, she saw the man pull a gun and just start shooting. Oh, my God. She said, when I heard shooting, I got scared and went back in, got my phone and called 911. And she said she heard, I've got chills, 30 to 40 rounds. Oh, my gosh. I have chills. A different neighbor said she opened her front door and she could smell gunpowder. Oh, my God. She heard someone yell, hands up, and then just shots. Complete just shot, 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 shot. When the cop went in, uh, the other cops that came into the front, they found Spencer with a rifle attached to his body by a sling, and it was an AR-15, and a handgun in his waistband. They went and searched his apartment. They found open gun cases, open boxes of ammunition, inside in plain view. Inside his car, which was a Dodge Avenger, by the way, they found rounds of ammunition and binoculars. And at his house, they also found mushrooms and marijuana. So this happened on a Sunday, right? Tuesday, there's still yellow crime scene tape all over. They had Spring Creek shut down from Sunday night when it happened up until the following evening. They had both lanes of from maybe two or three blocks mm-hmm. walked off. 
they eventually opened up the, I guess that would be the westbound side. They opened that up, but they still kept that other side blocked off because uh, I don't know if you guys watched the live, but so Spring Creek is six lanes, three lanes one way, three lanes the other. But where this house was, they have like a little, like a little drive that you can get to that's separate from Spring Creek. So there's like a little road in front of their house. It just goes in front of their houses. So there were all those cars that were at the party parked there. The cops started putting duct tape over the license plates because they hadn't, they didn't want family members seeing on the news that their loved ones, and they didn't want people like getting the license plate and trying to figure out who it was, right? So they covered the license plates. With duct but tape. two days later, I mean, shouldn't the family have already been notified? I, I don't know. Like you, when you look at the 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 interviews and stuff, the the press are asking all these questions, and their cops are like, "We have never been in this situation before. There are." N- Eight people that we have to, we've got this crime scene and right. we've got to process everything. We have to make sure that we don't miss anything. Right. And we have to be very, very careful, which is why they had it blocked off for so long because they didn't want to miss anything. Well, I respect them very much for that. Me too. And, and, you know, I mean, even though it looks cut and dry, they don't know if there was more than one shooter or what the reason was, the motive behind it. You and, know, all and of that is. They didn't know that the person that did the shooting was tied to the house. At first, like they didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like they're walking in, they've never had this many people get shot at one time ever. This mm-hmm. is the first time in the Plano history. So they're just trying to do their job well and do it right. So by Tuesday, there's the cars are still there and they're putting duct tape on the license plates, which I think is very, very respectful. Very much. Um, yeah. There were nine cars parked along that street. So the police officer coming in and out of the house, documenting the scene, collecting evidence. Uh, They brought the Texas Rangers in, which they always do when there's an officer-involved shooting. And then, of course, Plano police also conduct their own investigation just to make sure Mm -hmm. that the cop didn't do anything wrong. As it should. Right. And as you mentioned on the live, they did. There was a makeshift memorial that was started on that down Tuesday on the corner of Blue Ridge and Spring Creek, which is right there on the corner of where the house is. They, they said the very first thing was a single rose and then a tiny stuffed bear and then stuff just started just flowing. According to the medical examiner, Spencer Hyde had a blood alcohol level of 0.33. How was he standing? How was he able to aim? That is four times the state's legal level, legal limit, which is 0.08. Don't ask me how I know that. I just do because I live in Texas, I guess. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. A few days before the shooting... Spencer and this friend that he was messaging, we were talking earlier, they were messaging, and the friend said that he seemed very sad and lonely. Um, She ultimately told him to make good choices and please not to drink or turn to drugs. Uh, But she said the one thing that that kept running through her mind after she found out what happened is this this question he kept asking her. And I quote, how can the one person you're supposed to love more than life itself end up being the one person you hate more than life itself? Good question. Yeah. So they stopped living together in March of 2017. Okay. And Meredith filed for divorce in July, citing discord or conflict of personalities. Uh, Meredith's mother said that her daughter wanted the divorce because Spencer was physically abusive and an alcoholic. Mm. She said her daughter tried helping him for two years before filing for divorce. Uh, Friends of Spencer reported that before the shooting, he was unable to find work. He had become very isolated and was drinking Heavily. Well, I guess if his tolerance was being able to operate a machine gun with 0.3 alcohol. Yeah. Um, and of course, after the shooting, Meredith's mother said there was one violent episode where Spencer slammed Meredith's head against a wall, 
Meredith did not report it to the police. Her mother said she last saw her daughter just a few days before the tragedy, a few days before the party. Um, she was there helping her get it ready. Um, she said she was getting things ready to celebrate. She said, um, I think Spencer saw how happy she was and that she was embracing this new life as a single person. And he just resented it so bad that he saw no alternative but to just kill her, I guess. I don't know. So the, the mom, she's basically committed her the rest of her life to making sure that women don't stay in these situations. She said, um, I am hoping that other young women or older women who have doubts about their partners think and think there's something fishy or the person is brutal in any way, get out. Don't look back, find a good person and move on and leave it behind because otherwise you can end up dead. She said, I think that's why I'm not weeping like a mad woman right now because it matters. So what were they celebrating that day? Her divorce was final. Oh, amen. I, I hear yeah, you, girl. Yeah. So she was like, okay, my d- divorce is final. I've got this awesome house. I love to cook. I love to host parties. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to have a party. We're going to watch a Cowboys game, grill, drink, have a good time and celebrate my freedom. I'm free of all, all of, that. of that. The abuse, the alcohol, everything. You and I know exactly what that feels like. <sighs> Shit. Ten days after the shootings, the Junior League of Collin County organized a vigil for all the victims. Um, The family of Spencer Height released a statement, which was, There could be no rational excuse for his horrific actions. We as a family expressed our deepest sorrow and condolences to all of the families and friends of the victims. These young, vibrant lives did not deserve to be taken. Mm. It's so sad. Yeah. So uh, in June of 2018, three... The parents of three of the victims are decided to sue the bar their part in serving Spencer, even though he was already drunk. So according to the report, Spencer went, went to the bar, went to the local local public house mm-hmm. at 2.30 p.m. And that on that Sunday and ordered two gin and tonics. And then he left. Then he came back at 6.30 and ordered two Miller Lights and a shot of lemon vodka. In a bar surveillance video, Hyde appeared to be highly intoxicated was unsteady on his feet and staggered around the bar, running into tables and walking sideways. Yeah, he shouldn't have been served. Answer to your question. Uh, so Lindsay Glass, who was a bartender there, text a mutual friend. His name is Timothy Banks. He was another bartender and a friend of both Lindsay and Spencer and told him Hyatt has a big knife um, and he's drunk. So Banks told Lindsay, okay, I'm going to come up to the bar. So while he's on his way to the bar... Uh, Lindsay and Timothy are texting back and forth and Lindsay's saying, look, he's being really weird. He's drunk. So she takes him out to that patio area. Mm -hmm. Right. And then he showed her the pistol that he had in his pocket. He put it on the table. She told, she saw, then Lindsay saw Timothy Banks show up. So he came in and, um, Banks said, Hey, look, we need to go. This isn't cool. Right. And that's when he walked, Banks walked over to his car. And that's when he was like, Hey, don't look in my trunk. Like you don't want to see what's in here. So Banks decided to call the owner of the bar. His name is Jerry Owen and said, look, here's what's going on. I think we should call the cops. And he was like, yeah, no, don't call the cops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Hyde left the bar. So they let him drive. They, that's whenever, yeah, they let him drive. And then Lindsay and Timothy are the two people that, that followed him. because they. But knew. they let him drive. Yeah. I mean, you can't blame anybody but the shooter, but I'm just saying right. there could have been some... It, those, there are events that happened that led up to that. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he already had in his mind what he was going to do. Absolutely. And even if they stopped him that night, let's not pretend that he wasn't going to keep trying. No, absolutely. Right. So unless they arrested him and he was in jail permanently or 
she put a restraining order against him, which she didn't do when she filed for divorce. I don't. I guess she wasn't afraid of him. Well, and even then, what is a piece of paper going to do? I mean, even in this situation, if she had a restraining order, there's nothing that anybody could have done. Unless he showed because up. Because by yeah. the time that he got there and opened fire, there's no phone call or piece of paper that's going to... It took him 10 minutes to get there after the first... Two. Oh, I thought you said 10. No, I'm sorry. Two. Two minutes. See, they were there quick. See, and in two minutes, he took eight lives. Well, he, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, how... And I'm, I, I don't know that some didn't pass away right away, but he still shot eight people mm-hmm. within a two-minute time frame. So if it took him two minutes to get there, you see what a piece of paper would not have done anything. Right. The lawsuit from the victim's family names both bartender Lindsay and the bar as the defendants. Uh, and they were asking for $1 million in damages. So in For eight, each person or all together? Um, it just says for $1 million. Okay. I guess they're splitting it. I don't know. It just said they're asking for $1 million in damages. It didn't say per family. It just says, I guess that's the total of the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So in April of 2019, Lindsay is charged for serving Hype alcohol knowing he was intoxicated. That's fair. Uh, the charge... Carried a fine of up to $500 and a year in jail or both. Um, so according to the documents, and and so she texted Timothy and said, you know, he was drunk and being weird. As I'm reading through this last night, there are actual documents on the internet that show the text messages. So I thought, oh my God, how embarrassing would it be that like some of the shit I sent, I don't want the whole world to see. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. So the text says, Spencer has a big knife on the bar and is spinning it and just asked for his tab and said, I have to go do some dirty work. And then she typed psycho with a bunch of O's. Lindsay's attorney said, it is shameful of the Plano Police Department to go after the person who was vital in trying to stop the horrific events of that evening. I'm sorry. What did she try and stop? She did. She's the one. She's she. Now I know that she let him drive, but she and Timothy. Not only then, why are you calling another bartender? You call the police. Well, you should. I agree. You know, I mean, he was their friend in in her defense. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying he was their friend. I think they were just trying to. Then I would have clearly they had no idea what he was planning or it would have been totally different. But it was their friend. And I just I don't think they wanted him to go to jail. I think they felt bad for him. And they were just trying to like. They didn't want that situation going on at the bar. They didn't want anything bad to happen. So in her mind, she was trying to help. And maybe it's not the way we would have done it. Yeah, that's true. But they got him out of the bar and they followed him. Right. And I guess there was enough distance between them. And they did follow him. And she did also call 911. And it says, it is shameful. This arrest is not in the interest of justice and appears to be a last ditch effort by the Plano Police Department to make someone pay. Lindsay Glass is one of the people who called 911. Not only did she she know Spencer, but she was friends with Meredith and was supposed to be at the party that evening. She was personally involved. And I'm sure she just didn't want to see him get in trouble. Yeah. I mean, think of it from a friend perspective and not just a bartender working at a bar. I mean, even the owner said not to call the cops. Whether or not you agree with that, that's what he said. Right. So, I mean, I I just don't think that they knew. I know they didn't know what was going to happen. I guess for me, when you involve weapons... I'm even if I trust you and I love you and you're close to me and you're a good friend, if you're intoxicated and now you have weapons, now I'm concerned not just for you, but for me and the public. So I would have done something different personally. I agree. Now, if there, there were no, if I didn't see any weapons, but he was highly intoxicated and he was talking about hating his ex-wife. I mean, and he wasn't talking about hating, hating his ex-wife. So Lindsay, that was another friend that said they wanted to remain, remain anonymous. Oh, that's so right. So that conversation wasn't the same conversation that he was having with Lindsay. But he did say, I have to go do some dirty work. And he's mm-hmm. got weapons. Like I think because you and I like true crime, 
we would be triggered by that. Well, and well I don't that, think she was. Right. Well, and if he's my friend and he's spinning a knife and he's going to have to do some dirty work and I know him maybe not to be a very violent person, right but he's, I would be like more concerned. Is he going to kill himself? Right. Like maybe he shouldn't be alone tonight. Maybe I should, maybe Timothy should take him back to his apartment. Maybe he should come back to my apartment. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have left him alone. You know, I wouldn't have given him the opportunity to get in his car and drive home or even take an Uber home. I would have either convinced him to get into my car or Timothy's car and take him home and let him sober up and then let him go home. Now, of course, if, like you said, even if you stopped him that night, he was going to do what he was going to do. He, um, yeah. But maybe that instance could have sparked an interest of, hey, he's got loaded weapons in the trunk. He's got knives. He's got guns. He's mentally unstable. And maybe it would have at least put some notice to what's going on. Right. And, and Even if it got him help. Or caused Merida to be a little bit more cautious about him and the potential of what he could do. So how did he know she was having a divorce party? Well, maybe he knew because Lindsay, Lindsay may have said something to him. Like, that never came up. Like, okay. I couldn't find anything about that. Do you, maybe he was pissed that he wasn't invited. Maybe. Well, I was just wondering if maybe, like, was his motive to go and just kill her? Because why would he need all those guns if he was just going to kill her? But if he knew she was having a party, there'd be multiple people. I could see why he would need the AR-15 and the pistol. Yeah. Right? Because there's going to be multiple people there. Mm-hmm. Unless he drove by and saw all the cars and assumed there were people there. Potentially. I mean, yeah. because when he pulled up, he also went through the back. He went to the, he parked his car in the back of the house, which is why he started. And the party was in, in the back area of the house and outside, right? Because mm-hmm. he was, she was grilling and stuff, right? Right. So he came through the back, whoever was back, they got, they got it first. And then he went in the house and just started. We're, let's talk a little bit about the victims. I, they're Quite a few of them. So one of the victims' name is Daryl Hawkins. Um, His sister Madeline remembers her brother as a role model, someone that she looked up to, who protected her. She said he was the sweetest, most kind-hearted person she ever knew. He was her best friend, and he always, always, always had her back. Um, They were close, even though Daryl worked. He worked as a car salesman at the David McDavid Acura Plano, and she lived in San Marcos and was going to school, but they were still close. Um, she said she was very proud of him. He recently received a promotion. He always loved cars and was into fixing them and everything. Um, that was one of his passions. And clearly she was not ready to let him go. Yeah. How old was he? He was 22. And was he Meredith's friend? Was the estranged wife of the gunman, obviously. She was only 27. Mm -hmm. Anthony Cross, he was only 33. Olivia Defner, she was only 24. James Dunlop. He was only 29. He was the best man at their wedding. Mm. Daryl Hawkins, 22. Uh, Rion Morgan was only 31, and he was a groomsman at their wedding. Uh, Maya Bass was only 28, and Caleb Edwards was only 25. So he knew, Spencer knew some of the victims that he shot, besides Meredith. Yeah, especially people that were in his wedding. Yeah. So this was a combination of co-workers and friends. Um, Of mixed, mixed people. Yeah. Him and her. Yeah. Uh, the, one of the other victims, um, Tony Cross, his cousin Clara wrote on her Facebook that Cross loved weird things like hot yoga and driving his Jeep on unpaved services, <laughs> surfaces, services, not services, not the services. Uh, she said the thing is, Tony was the complete opposite of hate, which makes it even more devastating that he's gone. He loved his life. He had a job that he was passionate about. And it was something that he had been destined to do since he was a kid. He was originally from Austin, but lived in Dallas. And he was a motion capture animator for the Plano-based studio Modus Digital, where he worked for over nine years. I have never heard of that job. I have It sounds very impressive. And it's a, hold on. It's a what? 
He was a motion capture animator. So I guess okay. he helped do cartoons and stuff. That's what it sounds like. Modus Digital. I've something, seen that sign. Something animated. Right. So, sounds super cool. Yeah. Sounds like a really, really cool guy. Another victim, Rion Morgan. Tara, who was his sister, wrote on Facebook that her brother was in Spencer and Meredith's wedding and had visited with Spencer, whom he considered a very close friend, the day before mm. this all happened. Um, he worked um, at his alma mater as a manager for UTD Help Desk Center. The college spoke and said he was an exceptional employee, a warm, kind, generous colleague, and friend. He will be dearly missed. Uh, one of Rion's, his friend Matt said that he and Morgan had been friends for since they were seven years old. He said he was my longest friend that I had. To say he was a wonderful human being and friend is an understatement. He was so happy, always smiling, cracking jokes, and fiercely loyal to his friends. Mm. Um, so Caleb Seth Edwards... Uh, one of his friends, Jennifer, said she met Caleb eight years ago when they both worked at On the Border in Plano. Mm. Uh, she was the manager and he was a server. Uh, when she got a different position at the British Beverage Company in Uptown, she brought Caleb with her. Eventually, he left to work for Urban Crust in Plano. Oh, my yes. gosh. So we probably... Maybe we saw him. We probably did. We used to party it up at 32 degrees. Absolutely. The rooftop a, bar. Which is above Urban Crust. They still kept in touch. She said he was the kind of guy you would rely on in really tight situations. He was a laid-back jeans and t-shirt kind of guy with a great sense of humor. People love to be around him because of his sense of humor. He had a very gentle spirit and was very kind-hearted, and he would do anything for you once you were in his group. Hmm. Okay, another victim, Maya Bass. She worked at Cap One's Barbershop in El Paso from 2014 until January 2017 when she and her husband moved to Dallas. She was a cosmetology instructor and was working toward a dual license in barbering and cosmetology. Wow. She wanted to open her own barbershop one day. Um, one of her friends, Tracy, said that Maya was very high-spirited, very serious, very focused, but also playful at the same time. Somewhat of a wild card, she said. Um, and another friend of Maya, Selena, said they had matching tattoos. One of them had to infinity and the other one had ambient. That is so um, cute. On their back shoulders. She said, we promised we'd be there to see each other's best and worst moments mm -hmm. like friends do. Mm -hmm. I know. And then Olivia Defner, she graduated from UTD, so I'm guessing they knew each other from college. She graduated in 2015 with a marketing degree and also studied abroad in Vienna as a, an exchange student. After she graduated, she landed a job with TI, so I guess they worked together too, where she worked as a digital marketing program manager. Um, and TI, someone from TI said that they were deeply saddened by her death, that this is a loss for the TI family. Our focus right now is supporting the people that worked with her. Our thoughts and prayers are with the Defner family and the other victims' families. There was one survivor. Mm -hmm. So when, when the cops came and they took everybody, uh, they took two people to the hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, one of those, those persons, I don't know which one it is, one of them passed away at the hospital. But this other one, her name is Carla Shockey. And, and initially when this all happened, she just asked for um, privacy. So I hope she still gets that. I hope this doesn't. It's not like we're these big, big, giant, like, mm -hmm. my favorite murder podcast or anything like that. But at the time, her relatives just said that they appreciated the outpouring of love and support. They said that Carly is stable, but very serious condition. They really didn't give a lot of details, only that she was at the beginning of a very, very long recovery journey. And she's the only surviving victim of this entire tragedy. And I got to admit, I did some Facebook stalking. And 
she's on Facebook, very active. Her page is open. And I thought about messaging her, but I didn't, I felt like I was invading. I mean, I already feel like I'm invading her privacy. Right. Just because it's all out there. Um, but there are some pictures of her with some cops. I guess they're probably the ones that saved her. And you can tell she had some facial damage. So I don't really know exactly where she was shot and all that that mm-hmm. happened. Um, but can you imagine like you're you're there during that whole thing, watching that whole thing unfold, and then you're all of your friends that were there are gone, and you're the only one. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure she has survivor's guilt. I'm sure, yeah. And like, can you imagine the other families, like all the questions they have? And then, like, you know, asking, you know, what did they, what were their last words? What did they say? What were they doing? You know, all those things. And then you're, like, they come to you. Like, you're responsible for giving them closure on a situation that you, I mean, you're, you're hurt, too. What yeah. if you don't remember anything? Then yeah. you feel guilty. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know what yeah. they did or what happened. I don't know. Yeah, because I don't know, like, where she was in the house. And, I mean, we, I don't really know. I never, I didn't find any, like, diagrams or any deep information about, like, who was where I just know there were two people outside and I don't know which two were outside. Mm -hmm. Everybody else was inside. I don't know where inside, you know, I don't know the placement or anything like that. And then like we talked about the bar, I feel like that bar is, is cursed. Yeah. Because when I first moved in with mom, it was closed and I kept talking about, Hey, I want a bar. Like I want my own cheers where I can go to that's close to home. And I can feel comfortable going by myself. I don't really like to go to bars by myself. But right. then that that place finally opened as WW Fairfields. And they were open for a while. And then pandemic hit. And then mm-hmm. they're closed again. And they tried to reopen. But based on their Facebook page, the owner won't replace the roof. And so they can't continue. So they're so they moved out now. So now it's it's vacant again. Mm-hmm. And what did it used to be? Bullwinkles. No, but before that, wasn't it a Burger King? Yeah. Okay. And mom would take me because you can tell the shape of it yeah. looks like a Burger King. You yeah, whenever I on Fridays after kindergarten, mom would take me by there for a Happy Meal, and that was when they had I don't the think old. They have Happy Meals. There. I mean, kids meal. There you go. But remember when they had those like all metal playgrounds with like the hamburger? Yeah, that's that's what, what that that's what that, that was. Was outside of that patio. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then one time, me and you and my ex husband went when it was Bullwinkles, and we did some karaoke on that patio, and the inside still smelled like Whoppers. Oh, did it? It still smelled like Burger King. It took a long time for yeah. that smell to go away. Because when we went, when it was Fairfields, I didn't smell that. No, I didn't either. It was a fun place. Like, yeah. I felt comfortable and, and I got to know the bartenders pretty well and I miss them, by the way. Um, but so I feel like that bar might be jinxed. Like maybe it just should. Maybe the city just doesn't want a bar there. Not the city not itself. The city. I'm just saying like the city, you know, yeah. the vibes of the city doesn't yeah. want doesn't want a bar there. I remember right after it happened, we went and drove down the alley and there were bullet holes in the garage and half of the fence was torn down mm-hmm. and the grill was still outside and you could yes. see bullet holes in the windows in the back because the back had a sliding glass door. It was very similar style to our mom's house mm-hmm. where the backyard has a sliding door and then a large kitchen window and there were bullet holes just all through that glass. An individual bought the house 2018. And then just a couple of months later, sold it to a company. So I'm thinking maybe there's a property management. This company is renting it. So maybe it's a rent house. Because mm-hmm. you know, we I watch Ghost Adventures and all that. So even if there aren't spirits there, the trauma of what happened that night is inside that, the walls of that house. So Especially because after it happened, it was vacant for what, a year? Yeah, because a year? It, was, it was, I don't have the month in 2018. I know it was like... 
almost, almost a, year a year because we would drive by all the time. And the, and the stuff that was out there was out there for a long time. The, the um, memorial stuff. Yeah. yeah. Because and I remember once, driving by and seeing people on the sidewalk and they'd mm-hmm. be sitting there crying. Mm-hmm. And that right now. I remember, I don't remember which one it was. It may have been Maya Bass. I remember seeing an interview with her husband and he talked about how like he kept going back to that house because like that's the last place that she was. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember which victim it was, but one of the people, one of the victim's friend that they worked with, the person didn't show up for work on Monday. And the friend was like, wow, that's not like them to not show up. And after a little bit of digging, ended up, that person was at that party. Can you imagine like being at work and like you have to tell your boss, like, I think our, I think my coworker and was killed. And then you drive by and you see their car. Yeah. If the car's not there. I mean, the car's there and I, I just can't. So my friend that I talked about earlier ha- has, is, is connected with the case and that she actually met Meredith one time and. She said that she was a huge fan of 311 and she was very outgoing. Um, my friend and her husband knew James Dunlop, which was the guy that was their best man at their wedding. And she said that um, he brought Meredith, Meredith to the Kentucky Derby party where they where they where she met her. Um, she's the, about James. She said that he was brilliant and funny and just an all around great guy. So it's really really sad. That's the story. It's just sad. I know. It's just, it's, it's completely it's, senseless. It's really sad. She was, she was very young and it just, it's so tragic, you know, and all of the people, obviously other victims, the family and friends had great things to say. And, um, that does, that makes it even more sad. Not that like, if they were bad people, it would be okay. It just, it just, it just still gets your gut. Like, well, like. Because you imagine, like, yourself, right? Like, you're like, oh, hey, it's Sunday night. It's the first game of the season for the Cowboys. It's Because I think that was either the first night of football mm-hmm. or at least the yeah, first Cowboys because game. because early September is when yeah. it could have been. So, it might even been a preseason game. Yeah, and I you're mean, like, hey, it's going to be great. I'm going to go to a friend's house. We're going to barbecue. Like, that's what you do. She's celebrating her divorce. Like, she's I'm so happy for her. Life. Like, how happy she is. Like, she's moving on. She got out of a toxic relationship. So you go to this she's party. She's a badass cook, and we're going to, it's a beautiful, probably a beautiful day outside. And she's got this nice house, and it's in Plano. We're going to hang out. It's going to be great. And so you can just imagine all the, ha- I mean, the neighbors said they heard laughter. Like, they're having this great yeah. time. And they could smell the grill. You and- know, and like, I see myself there, you know, like yeah. you see, like we've all been there. Mm-hmm. And then like a senseless act comes in where like evil just comes in and just annihilates eight lives. Because they weren't, there's no way that they, they weren't even prepared. They couldn't even no. defend themselves. No. I mean, because you know, I'm sure the backyard was open. The back door was open. The front door I'm was sure. open because people are coming and going and it's a party and you're eating and grilling. So like no one could have expected that, you know, or assumed that. And I'm even sure Meredith even being married to him, knowing that he was in a dark place, most likely. Never would imagine he would come and do that no. to her, you no, know? No, no. I mean, I know they he was physically abusive. But, but even then, like when she people... wasn't afraid of him, clearly, or yeah. she would have yeah. done things differently. And like you said, even even with a restraining order, I don't know that that would have fully protected her. You know, she just you just don't you never know. So if you have a friend that's depressed and isolated, check on them. Mm-hmm. Just check on them. Make sure they're okay. Um and I'm not saying that that would have helped. That might have helped Spencer. He was just in a really dark place, and he just didn't want any. He didn't want her. He didn't want to lose her. And I guess even though he already had, yeah. And he just, I guess, he just went to a dark, evil place. He chose well, and I'm, evil. and I, I bet he had to get drunk to do it because I'm sure he thought like, 
I can't live without her, but I'm going to live without her. But if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to be feeling really good where I can, my frontal lobe has no right decisions, right? Like I, I have no concept of what I'm doing. And I'm going to have to do it that way. And he went out in the blaze of glory. Cause I mean, he tried to shoot at the cop. He wasn't, he didn't want to live. He didn't have, yeah, he, he was, he had, he was on a mission. Suicide by cop. And he was just gonna, and I don't know that that was his intention. And maybe he was so drunk. He didn't know. He didn't it realize was, it was a cop. Yeah. I guess anybody that was there at the party, he was like, if you're here, then you're not on the right side. Right. Well, so, and clearly he had a premeditated idea because having a trunk full of weapons, why would you want your friend not to see it if you didn't have any Ill. inclination or any want or drive or plan or to take this and do something bad with it, right? Because you don't want your friends to get in trouble for your actions. So clearly he knew what he was going to do when he got to the bar. So whether they served him or they didn't, he w- he knew what he was going to do. Well, and wherever he went after, wherever he went for those four hours, c- he continued to drink. I bet he probably sat outside the house. You think? I think he watched the house. Maybe. And w- I think maybe he, had- maybe he thought, they're going to leave. They're going to be less people. Oh, I don't want to have to take this many I people. I didn't consider that. I don't want to take this many people's lives. That's my best man. That's one of my friends. That's my groomsmen. Like, I don't want to have to do this. But, and who knows, in his head, he may be thinking, oh, maybe she's sleeping with him. Maybe she's, oh. maybe he's my best man. She's sleeping with him. Who knows? Yeah. They're in there together and they're hanging out. That's all he needed. Because he was way too close, right? Unless he went back to his apartment, got weapons, and then... Well, in his apartment, it showed the name of the apartment complex. It wasn't very far away. His apartment wasn't very far. So he might have gone back to his apartment... Did some drinking, did some mushrooms or some pot. Like, I don't know. They mm-hmm. only they didn't talk about drugs being in his system, just the amount of alcohol. I feel with him to walk in with an AR-15 and a hand pistol, he had to know there was a bunch of people in that house. Well, I'm sure he, like you said, he probably drove by. Yeah. And you could... And you don't have to... You can be literally driving down a main road and see the house. So it's not like... You can. It's not like he had to covertly he go by. Be, yeah. And I mean... If you've lived there with her, you know how many cars are normally outside. Mm-hmm. Like even when we drove through there, there were no cars parked in front of any houses. We drove through there without any problem. There were right. some at the end, but not like when we drove in front. In right. Front. Um, seeing that many cars, you know there are a lot of people there. Yeah. Right. I'm sure they were parked right in front. And I'm sure with them having as many mutual friends, he probably heard about the party. Yeah, I'm sure if Lindsay didn't mention it at the bar, like she was supposed to be there too. And And if they have mutual friends, maybe it was on somebody's Facebook, you know, that they were there. Yeah. And maybe hearing all that laughter sitting outside, he just got madder and madder and was like, well, I'll show her. She's going to be with me. And I mean, I, I, I get it, you know. I mean, when you don't want something to end, but the other person does, like... I I can understand him being sad, but I do feel like, like you said, if somebody's in a dark place, at least if somebody noticed and maybe have talked to him, maybe it, maybe, maybe it wouldn't have stopped it. But at the end of the day, maybe it would have given him help, Mm -hmm. you know, because clearly he was severely depressed, severely. And like almost all of our cases, there's some mental instability, but this wasn't who he was. No, he he, he probably felt a little bit useless because... And then maybe he couldn't find a job because he was an alcoholic. I don't know. But he couldn't find work. He was desperate and lonely. And like I said, he just went to a dark place. Went to a dark, evil place where some of us don't go. Well, and it's not a place that he was all the time. Right. So if he got there, he could get out. But he clearly needed psychological help to get him out of that state. And the, the Texas Rangers and the Plano Police Department didn't find any wrongdoing on the cops' part. In fact, they said... That he showed true bravery by going in there by himself without any backup and taking control of the situation and taking the gunman down. I agree. Without any other injuries. Like, he didn't get hurt. 
and he basically stopped the shooting. Now, clearly, everybody was already shot. We don't know. Like, he could have kept going. He could have gone to the neighbors. That's the story of the Plano Massacre. So, rest in peace, Meredith, Anthony, Olivia, James, Daryl, Rion, Maya, and Caleb. And I guess Spencer. Yeah, rest I in mean, peace. Regardless of what he did. Yeah. My heart goes out to all the families. Yes, all the families and the survivor. And, and thank you, Plano Police. Yes, they did a wonderful job. Because how many stories do we do where it's like a shit show and they can't isolate? The, I mean, everything gets so jacked up. I think they did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. Kudos to the cop that went in there and took charge and you know took the situation, got it under control, You know, got the shooter, killed him. And then it, from there, it was just became assessing the, the crime scene and keeping it locked down. The cops kept it locked down. Nobody could come or go and because they had a lot of work. And just being so respectful to the families and to the city, you know, mm-hmm. I just, you don't always see that. All right. Well, that's a wrap. All right. Till next time. Till next time. Thank you guys for listening and sharing and commenting. And don't forget, if you put the sticker somewhere, send us a picture and we'll post it. My, I'll have my social media director post it to our page. <laughs> Um, Please follow us on Facebook. We go live. We go on adventures. We post really funny memes because I'm a meme whore and I save memes. What do you mean? (laughs) Sorry, I had to. Um, We have Facebook. We have Instagram. We have a TikTok that I need to work on, but we do have one. So Social media director, you need to get on that. We're on top of that, Rose. (laughs) Until next time. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.